0: No matter what happens in the world, couldn't imagine anything worse than a pandemic, this asset class is resilient. This asset class can perform no matter what happens. And I think that that's what really opened people's eyes up to getting behind the industries, is you know that no matter what happens, and, and even in recessions, domestic travel is flat to up. International travel is down about 14%. Domestic's flat to up. So. People are not going to stop traveling. You know, we need human connection. We need to travel. We, you know, it's it's something we yearn for. And if you shut the whole world down, we're still going to find ways to get out there and experience national parks. I mean, I can't, you know, the national parks probably have the highest volume of tourism in history. And so getting outside became more important, spending time, more time with people that you deeply care about. Instead of, you know, maybe spreading yourself thin was a big component of, of what the pandemic kind of highlighted. So it was crazy, but it was something that we were able to, to kind of navigate. And, and here we are, and we're better and stronger for it.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. And if you've enjoyed this show, I would be super grateful if you would subscribe on Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on. And if on Apple, if you would leave a rating and review, it would mean a lot. And last but not least, you can check out all these episodes on YouTube. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Fort. I have Sean Bruner, who is the co-founder of Avant Stay, with me today on the podcast. This is a fascinating episode. Whether you're into tech or real estate, we go deep into the short-term rental industry and how it's changing drastically and how this is becoming a very profitable asset class, one that banks want to lend on. One that institutions are trying to get in, but more importantly, one that's offering amazing experiences for people to enjoy uh, vacations with their families and friends. So as someone who has been looking at buying a short-term rental uh, as possibly a second vacation home, this was a very information-packed episode that gave me a lot more confidence. So thank you very much for continuing to join me on this journey, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me this morning. Good
0: morning. Good morning. How are we doing?
1: Good. Let's start with a little bit about the idea and the vision behind Avant Stay and kind of what you did in your career to kind of lead up to it.
0: Yeah, I'll try to give the short version and we can dig in from there. But my background has always been in real estate and technology. and, And I think my passion has always been in hospitality and travel. And growing up in a family of five boys, God bless my mother. Seven of us. When we would travel, we would stay at hotels, and it was always calling down to the to the to the rooms and meeting the lobby at six. Where's Ryan? Where's Josh? Where where's Jake? So it's a lot of wrangling troops and lugging stuff down to the pool and kind of moving all around the hotel and figuring out where we're going to be and where we need to go. And while I love hotels, that was more of a stressful experience than what a vacation felt like. And so just started thinking about different ways where we could experience, you know, family trips together. And so we started trying different vacation rentals and and Airbnbs. And and really, a lot of times it was a much better experience and sometimes it wasn't. And so there's this big, wide range of consistency that we felt. Sometimes you sit on grandma's couch and the dust flies up. (laughs) (laughs) And other times you walk into a masterpiece of a beautiful, zen house that gives you an amazing experience. So growing up in a huge family of cousins and aunts and uncles and, and brothers, it was always, you know, group travel was always at my core ethos. And we felt like there was a better way to deliver an experience than what had been done. And obviously with Airbnb coming around, they opened up the world's eyes to traveling in homes and traveling in people's homes. And so vacation rentals have been here for decades, if not centuries. And really, it was just about bringing a level of consistency, comfort, and experience to vacation miles to group travel, and so that's how this started. And I think even going, you know, when from the days of business school, when you know you leave to go on a trip and you have no money, and you come back and you actually have more money in your bank account than when you left because you leased out your place on Airbnb. So we knew that there was a, a big opportunity in the space. It's a huge market. And the experience just needed to be uh, elevated. And so that's what we've been focused
1: on. So you have this idea and then like, when did you decide to launch this? How long did you kind of think and noodle on it? What was kind of like the lead up to this?
0: Yeah, so the last company that we, were, that we did was a SaaS company. And so we ended up selling the company in 2016, to LinkedIn. And as we were going through the transition on the sale, we really started thinking deeply about the intersection between real estate technology and arts and hospitality. We saw that IoT, which you know stands for Internet of Things, which is hardware in homes, so your nests and your all the communication that goes from your hardware to software in, in homes. We felt like that industry was really blossoming and coming into its own, and the ability to communicate with your homes allowed you to kind of scale software around an experience. So we kind of just really focused in 2016 on building a data set that said, here's here's where we can go deliver amazing experiences to get started. And let's find out what we have and let's test a bunch of different products and pieces. So we ended up landing in a place called Indio, California. Do you know where that is?
1: Wait, Indio, is that outside of Palm Springs?
0: Yeah, so exactly. So Indio, California became famous for the Coachella Festival for Stagecoach. So we ran these data sets across the entire US and we landed in this place called Indio. And I go, I never heard of this place in my entire life. And what we were looking for was short-term rental income relative to home prices and rents. That's what we were looking for. And the spread was so great that I looked up Indio and I go, oh my gosh, this is the Coachella Festival where I had been in the Stagecoach Festival. So we ended up taking on a small portfolio in that region And the economics and the numbers were amazing. We started testing different point solutions. So there were hundreds of different technologies out there. And a lot of it was very antiquated and really had been built on old code. And imagine a house being remodeled over years, as opposed to building something from the ground up, just didn't have the experience or the functionality that we needed to deliver a great experience. And so we got to work and we said, hey, Let's figure out what we want to deliver. We want to deliver a world-class group experience. We want to elevate all the customer touch points, both analog and digital, analog being in the home, digital being, you know, the mobile app or the booking experience or splitting payments or picking your room or stocking your fridge. So we started with a very small portfolio in India and then we expanded. And the first year, I bootstrapped the business for about 15 months. And then We decided, you know what, we really feel confident about what we have and the experience that we can deliver and the technology we can build around this to elevate that experience. Let's go raise a seed round. And so that's when in 2018, a year and a half after we started testing and thinking and really just kind of experiencing the world of short-term rentals is when we raised the seed round.
1: So you have kind of two sets, I might botch this, but kind of two sets of customers. So you have owners of real estate that want to create income on the what they own. And then you have vacationers that want to stay in a great spot. So let's kind of break the conversation maybe up into both. So for like owners of real estate, what is your offer to them? And maybe we can get into who they are, how they're investing, how they're thinking, how you're growing from the portfolio side. And then we'll talk about kind of the customer experience after.
0: Yeah. And they're both very connected. I mean, I think, you know, we'll, we'll dig into the customer experience and what it is, but if you build a world-class customer experience, yeah, you do one thing for your owners, you generate the most important thing. We do a lot, but it's holistically, when you think of hospitality, we're really doing one thing for our owners. We're making them as much money as we can. And we're guaranteeing that. And that's something that nobody ever did. We're guaranteeing the money that we make for you. So we will We'll say, Hey, we'll, we'll guarantee you this much money next year and, and you don't have to worry about it. And you can refinance off that and you can, you can, you can bank it, right? You can bank that money. So yep. we always start with the customer experience, but just as far as owners, what do we do is we've spent a lot of time. And I'd say it was about six months ago when we really kind of finished the suite for homeowners of building a vertically integrated business to deliver. The experience that owners want which is making more money so first it's sourcing and underwriting so a lot of data goes into sourcing and underwriting making sure that we know what to buy where to buy how to buy how many bedrooms how many bathrooms does have a hot tub does they have a bocce ball court is it on a corner lot and a part of the economic underwriting understanding the roi of all of those components you also have to overlay that with compliance so regulation policy so We have a team that has built a database of regulation and compliance across the country where you can say, hey, this block I can buy on, or I can own, or I can run a short-term rental, but two blocks over, I can't. And so we work very closely with the cities and the neighborhoods to find, you know, where can we deliver this amazing experience, but also make sure that we're great, you know, additions to the community and that we're delivering taxes. TOT tax, we pay the same taxes that hotels do. So it's called transient occupancy tax. So we deliver those taxes and it's great for the city. So that's kind of stage one. Stage two is we'll we'll either buy the house or we'll go in and manage the house and we'll do a full interior design. So we will do a full scoping of the interior design and we'll actually pay for all your furnishings, all your upgrades, everything. So we'll come in and say, hey, your house is beautiful and it's going to make X. As it is today. But if you let us come in and design it and brand it and upgrade it, which everybody usually says yes to, we'll turn it into an Avon State branded product and you'll make a lot more money and we'll pay for it all for you for free. So that's the interior design. Then we'll onboard all the labor, all of our and a lot of this stuff is done virtually with you know technology that we've we've helped integrate and support and build to do that. And, and some of the procurement discounts that we do at scale is all passed on to these. Owners. So once the property stood up, it looks beautiful from what we call an analog perspective. We then distribute it to our partners, including ourselves. So you find it on Avon stay, which obviously we believe is the best booking experience for group travel. But we also have amazing partners. Airbnb is a big partner, VRBO, Expedia, HomeAway, Bookings, Marriott. So you can now use your Marriott Bonvoy points to book an day. Uh We have an integration with Internova and Bonitale where there's 60,000 travel agents on the platform. And once we distribute it and we have a revenue management team that uses dynamic pricing algorithms that we built and a lot of tech that really supports you know maximizing profits. So data comes in and you adjust pricing based on seasonality, based on occupancy, based on cohorts. And from there, it's about... Delivering the experience to the customer and making sure that they have a great time. so our mps is you know, which is your net promoter store, I know a lot of people talk about that, but it's you know it's at seventy five which I think is higher than anywhere I've been that where i built software and and we're dealing with a lot, right? We're dealing with you know does the pool work? does the hot tub work does is the house clean is the is the fridge stock is the grass mode and and so there's so many pieces that go into what we do on the logistics side, it's really think of like Uber or DoorDash for field operations and logistics. So it's on demand as a service, managing homes at scale, best in care, class, quality, and then of course, delivering what we call value-added services and amenities. And when you deliver those concierge services to the customer, they're willing to pay more to stay at your house. It's the same as Four Seasons. If you go stay at the Four Seasons, the service is so great, so you're going to pay more on a nightly basis. That's what we've been focused on delivering for our owners. So when you say, hey, we do all of this, source, underwrite, onboard, design, distribute, revenue manage, best in care, class, quality, concierge, and then deliver automation of insights and portals so that they understand everything that's going on with their house at all times. It's called Lighthouse. We built a, a full owner portal where you understand your economics and everything that's going on inside your property. Now you've accomplished the one goal, the one singular goal, which is to make more money, guaranteed. So that, that's, we actually struggled with this for years. We struggled with what do we do for owners? And then you start listing out what I just rambled on for five minutes talking about. And nobody really wants to hear the ramble, they want to know that you make them more money. And then you can get into the details because, you know, it really is a lot. We do a lot and it took a lot to stand this up. But now that it's stood up, we do feel, you know, we can take any house and turn it into really a high powered cash flow generating machine that delivers an incredible customer experience for, you know, groups.
1: Are a lot of the people coming to y'all saying, hey, we want to be in Cabo. We have 10 million to spend. Help us decide what to buy. Like when you say underwriting, are a lot of people consulting with you before they're buying? Are they kind of telling you, hey, here's what we have already, help us turn this into the most profitable kind of vacation rental that we can make it?
0: Yeah, it's probably the latter. So as the industry has matured, and keep in mind, the Airbnb, I think it's only been around for 12, 13 years, something like that. I mean, it's just so early days. And the short-term rental industry is a third the size of the hotel industry. So you have hundreds of hotel brands and really no short-term rental brands. You know, Airbnb is a distribution platform. So we are at Airbnb as Marriott might be to Expedia. Just helpful to understand that relationship. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really the former, or I think the latter is, which is most of the folks already are have short-term rentals. And so they come in, they say, how do you make me more money? So we come in and say, you know, hey, we'll underwrite it. We'll make sure that in, we do all of the licensing, all of the compliance, all of the. And so we say, let us come in and brand it as an avance day. We'll make this home really kind of gorgeous and make turn it into an optimized experience for groups. You know, there's things that you'd be blown away just to having a foosball table or a shuffleboard table. Their ROI on this stuff is very high. And you have to have all those components. You need to have a chef's kitchen. To be able to cook these amazing meals at at night so i think that's always been the past but what we've launched recently just and we haven't actually disclosed this publicly but we launched a brokerage so we have now you know think of compass for short-term rentals we have all of the data that says what to buy where to buy and so now we can represent individuals who want to buy homes and we're working with hundreds of individuals and larger Institutions and family offices that want to buy short term rentals and have portfolios. And obviously, we see a day in the very near future where there will be STR REITs, short term rental REITs. So, single family residents, there's REITs, hotels, there's REITs, retail, there's REITs. There's REITs for every single real estate asset class except for short term rentals. So, we think that's coming. And for folks that are buying short term rentals properly, you know, the last thing you want to do is buy. <laughs> on a street that you can't get licensed or that's illegal and you stand it up and you get your first reservation and the neighbor or somebody calls in and, and you're shut down, right? Cause it's a lot of work to stand up one of these. So it's incredibly important to know where to buy, but also what to buy as far as product. So I think it's really a combination of both. If you have something and you want an estimate from Avant day and you want to see how we operate and how we can generate great returns for you, then let's have a discussion around how to optimize your current portfolio or your current home. If it's something you're looking to add to a portfolio or buy more, certainly can put you in touch with the brokers. And they're incredible about finding high yield properties that will generate these returns. And the beauty of it is it's really kind of hands off. If you say, I want to buy a house that's $500,000. I want to buy a house that's a million, million a half. You know, you just call up, you give your buy box and Directions and and they will automate it through all of our everything that we built in terms of being able to source and find properties quickly and at scale, and and we'll deliver a few options. And from there, if you say yes and you buy the property, it's really hands off for the most part. And then you know you get your check.
1: What's the breakdown between individuals and institutions that are? Y'all have over six hundred homes now how many of those are kind of institutions versus individuals? And do you have any data kind of around how each group is growing as this asset class kind of emerges?
0: It's probably, uh, we were just on
1: at IMN, which
0: is the largest single family residential conference. We were just there, uh, you know, I think it was about a month ago uh, talking about this. But our portfolio is probably 98% homeowners, individual homeowners, and 2% institution. Our belief is that, but that's obviously... Just now starting to accelerate. So I think within the next six to twelve months, it'll likely be you know 30% institutional and then increasing from there. So institutions are getting involved. They're just now starting to buy with us aggressively. We just want to be Switzerland and support Propcos. We want to be the non-exclusive. How can we support anybody anywhere? Find great real estate that they can build a portfolio. So it's early days. And that's the beauty of it is nobody's late to party. The party's kind of just getting started and short-term rentals are obviously here to stay. I think the Airbnb IPO solidified that almost a hundred billion dollar valuation, which is, uh, I saw a chart the other day. I think it's like combined value of Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott, Wyndham and IHG all combined. And that's Airbnb. So it's, you know, Airbnb is a behemoth and it's an incredible company and they have institutionalized short-term rentals. And now you're going to start seeing a lot of capital from REITs and institutional investors come into the space in a very aggressive way. And they're going to need
1: managers to support. How are lenders underwriting this stuff? Are they just saying, because, you know, you buy a piece of real estate, you have a lease, this is the market rate, obviously there's seasonality in short-term rentals. There's conventions that come in and prices spike and things of that nature. So are they looking at like historical data? If I was a lender, especially for an individual, institutions have kind of a different ballgame. How are they kind of looking at this stuff?
0: Yeah, that's always the the layer in real estate that you have to solve for first is debt, right? And, And so I think you hit it spot on is that's where we went first was to figure out, are there lenders out there that want to lend them? And there are lenders out there that love single-family residential real estate, right? That's where they will give you the best rates of any asset class in real estate. And the reality is that's what we're buying. And in a lot of ways, our downside scenario is a long-term rental. So let's say for some reason, short-term rental, the $200 billion that flows through the market goes away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's growing at 7% year over year. Let's just say it all of a sudden vanishes. You know, the worst-case scenario is that you long-term rent your property. So now you have an SFR, single-family residence, which has the most attractive debt profile of any asset class in the world. And you have it as, as long-term. So we always look at it as the long-term rental is really a downside scenario, which is the most upside scenario for most single-family residential investors. So I think it's, we spent a lot of time, there are a lot of banks lending on this now. There are a ton of banks And what did they use? They use, fortunately, we have five years now of data that shows how these things perform. Uh, We're up, our same store sales are up 80% year over year. And they've gone up every single year since we started the company. So it's very compelling for them to see the data and the growth and demand. And demand, actually, supply is down 15% year over year because people, especially in in a pandemic and COVID, are not putting, not wanting people to, to come in their homes, which is understandable. I mean, why? in the middle of a pandemic, you probably are not sharing your home as much. There's also enforcement and regulation that says, look, we love short-term rentals and they're here to stay, but we can't have them everywhere. And so that strips it. But so there, there's our data, which is a big piece in working with them to understand seasonality and, and revenue. We have enough properties to really show them that performance is bankable. You also have on State guaranteeing leases. So a big portion of the portfolio is Leases, and so they can underwrite the advance balance sheet, as opposed to you know worried about seasonality and, and payments. And then finally, there's this amazing company called AirDNA. AirDNA is the co-star of short-term rental data. So encourage everybody listening in to, to check out AirDNA. We have a strong partnership with them as well, and you can find a lot of data on there. A lot of times, the data is. We'll tell you, hey, this market is amazing. Then you want to dig in and really find some details. So we always encourage people to check out AirDNA and then come back and let's, let's really dig in on which property, what the, you know, room count set is, what the lot size is, what the zoning and compliance, you know, that is one thing that you won't find is the zoning and compliance on AirDNA, but you will find. A bevy of information around the economics and the economic arbitrage that the industry delivers. And they've just built a beautiful platform to deliver some of that information. So those, and the, the banks are using AirDNA. They're using AirDNA to understand the asset class, understand seasonality, occupancy, ADRs, red And so now you're seeing real defensible data, you're seeing institutional capital, you're seeing guaranteed payments from companies that have that, that are bankable. And so, you know, it's evolved. I would say about 18 months ago, there weren't really any banks. And now there's a lot. All
1: right. Y'all are in 25 markets. Obviously, you know what a great market to own a short-term rental is in. Can you just maybe talk to some high-level things that make markets great? Obviously, the biggest one is, are they tourists? Do a lot of people want to come? But what are some things that aren't so obvious that make a market great to look in? There's a lot
0: and uh you know it's one of those things is what makes it great it's it's really it's like how do i say this and it's always the mark twain quote i would have written you a shorter letter if i had the time and i'm probably not great at brevity so the way that we look at markets are two ways we look at two to three hours outside of large msa's and so two to three hour drive, and so we love drive-to markets because we actually we think that america is amazing i mean it's incredible and so like for example I never heard of the Smoky Mountains before I visited or before I started the company. The, have you heard of the Smoky
1: Mountains? No, where are those? It's incredible.
0: So it's the most visited <laughs> national park in the country.
1: Never heard of and, it.
0: And you've never heard of it. So we found out that the Smoky Mountains is drivable in less than eight hours by half the country. And, and so it's the most driven. So it's understanding who has access to it and where it is, so everything within two, three hours, large MSA. So think of LA, we're in Big Bear, we're in Temecula, we're in Palm Springs. Think of the Bay Area, you're in Sonoma, you're in Santa Rosa, you're in Tahoe. If you think of any areas like Charleston, you're Isle of Palms. And so Nashville is one of the many feeders to the Smoky Mountains. And so Gatlinburg. So we, we look at it as two or three hours drive to large and then experiential urban cities. What does that mean? Well, it means that. You're probably not going to find us in D.C. or Philly or, or Minnesota, not to say that they're not amazing cities because they are. And it doesn't mean that there aren't great short-term rental opportunities there. But our focus has always been on where can we deliver an amazing experience for groups and couples and people coming together. And of course, we have individuals that rent out full homes or smaller homes and, and who stay in smaller units. But experiential urban cities are going to be your Scottsdale's, your San Diego's, your New Orleans, your Miami's, your Charleston's, your Nashville's. And so those are different. Your Austin. We just launched Austin on Monday. So really excited. Austin's one of my favorite cities in the world. And so you have all these kind of what we call experiential urban. I'm not sure if that's really a, a thing, but we'll make it we'll
1: a We'll call thing. it a thing. We're making it today. We'll call it a thing, right? It's now a thing <laughs> as of right now. It's become a thing. Experiential
0: urban, coin it, trademark it, bank it. It's a thing. So it's, you can get a sense that there's a difference between Nashville and Minnesota as far as what type of experience you're delivering. So that's first at the kind of high level is where do you want to start looking? And then you want to look for places that have, you know, we love National Park, I mean, National Park, but then you want to find places that have pools and restaurants and things to do. I mean, you, you look at events, right? Anything around event, you know, you're going to end up getting a huge, huge pop for those events. So we like Palm Springs because people look at Palm Springs and they say, they think of Coachella and they think that that's, there's Coachella, there's Stagecoach, there's art festivals, there's fashion festivals, the BMP Paribas, which is the fifth largest tennis tournament in the world. There's surf ranches, there's thermal racing track. There's so much to do. I mean, there's the PGA tournament, there's the LPGA tournament. So you really want to kind of find places that have events, that have activities, probably less so places where there's like one event per year, right? If there's like one golf tournament or one tennis tournament, because there's just, you're looking for consistency and in, in, in seasonality and demand. But, but obviously we're big fans of areas with great weather. And by great weather, I mean, whether you can have activities. So the Southeast has great weather for, you know, beach activities and warmth and pools, the mountain towns have great activities for skiing and snowboarding and sledding and snowmobiling. And, and my, my team always makes fun of me because I always say schmores for some reason every time I ever, ever talk. And so there's something about sitting out in the backyard of a house and making schmores on like when it's snow. Like it's one of the better experiences, I think, even though it's so simple. I actually saw somebody do it in a waffle cone the other day. Have you ever seen that? No. A waffle, waffle cone schmor is pretty. That's amazing. Pretty next level. Might need to trademark that too. So, in any case, you know, you look for experiences, you look for areas to where you can have activities. And obviously, you want to be either in the cities that that have action or outside of cities, you know, that have large MSAs. Does that answer the question?
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Because there's clearly, obviously, places where it's not going to work and places where it'll work better. All right. So, if I own a house, let's just say over by in the Coachella Valley, Indio. And it appears to be good. What type of contract am I signing with y'all? Is it long-term? Like, What are my menu of options? I'm the real estate owner. What's my relationship with you going to be, assuming now I want to turn this into a short-term rental?
0: So great question. And, and there's really two simple options. One is a management fee option where we'll manage your property. We'll come in, furnish it, design it, brand it, make it this beautiful Avon State property, great experience. We'll layer in all the technology hardware. We'll have it connect to our software. We'll be able to manage the guests and deliver the concierge and they'll show up and they'll have their massage in the background, their fridge stocked, they'll have their private chef on Saturday night and they'll have a cleaner Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday to come in and support the experience. And all of that is click to touch, and then it's pushed out on-demand logistics through all of the backend that we built. So you could run that management fee, or you can say, you know what? Instead of partnering with you guys on a management fee approach, which is 99.9% of the industry, I'd like a guarantee. I just want a guarantee. I don't want to, you know, I don't want the ebbs and flows. I don't want to kind of think about, you know, this month is a little bit lower, next month's higher. And so we'll give you an offer and we'll guarantee the monthly rent. So you have two options. One is the guarantee and one is the management fee. And it's really, it's your option on which one suits your needs the best. We have people who love to partner and, and you know factor into all of the upside of, of the demand increasing. And, and for that, we recommend more of the management fee, but there's plenty of people who just love the guarantee and a great investment. And for that, we can offer uh, lease
1: structure. Let's take a quick break to highlight this episode's sponsor, Juniper Square. If you aren't familiar with Juniper Square, it's an easy to use all-in-one investment management software designed specifically for real estate owners. We have been using it at Fort Capital for several years now and it has completely revamped the experience we're able to provide our investors through reporting, management, and efficiency. Here's Brandon Sedloff, Managing Director at Juniper Square, explaining more about their platform.
0: When we started to look under the hood of these real estate investment managers that were telling us about their problems, one of the things that we identified was that kind of the operating system of record for managing a lot of the most important information was still spreadsheets. They have never been designed to be a system of record, right? And, and when we when we started looking at kind of why real estate reporting was the way that it was, what we found is that spreadsheets were being used as a system of, refer- of record. And the problem that, that created was it makes it really hard to take this information Get the information out of spreadsheets and get it into the hands of the people who need it the most, which are your investors.
1: You can check out episode 37 to listen to my full conversation with Brandon or visit cjunipersquare.com for more information. That's S-E-E junipersquare.com. And now back to the show. All right. So you said you're a tech-enabled hospitality company. When we had our pre-call, you said vertically integrated, horizontally distributed. So let's talk a little bit about the tech and kind of what you meant by vertically integrated, horizontally distributed.
0: Vertically integrated, we talked about a little bit before, but it's controlling every touchpoint of the experience for homeowners and for guests. So think of us as like the Apple for short-term rentals. Apple is a controlled ecosystem, a controlled experience. There's other folks that will integrate in other property management companies or provide tools for property management companies or be an airbnb where anybody can list on the platform so that's more of like an android experience where you can plug in. so we we look at ourselves as a branded hospitality brand that is delivering this controlled experience where we get to deliver every every touch point in the experience on the customer journey the second part of the question
1: the second part of the question was just describing a little bit more about the tech you've built based from like the homeowner side and also like what the consumer is seeing and using. The way that we've
0: thought about the technology, you know, it's really about elevating the experience at each touch point. So what does that mean? So we have your front end booking engine on the, on the website. So that's called Stay. And then we have our Butler, which is our app, our mobile app, so the in-home experience. Voyage is the backend operating system that runs all the on-demand-as-a-service logistics and runs all of our customer experience and comms and integrates in all the point solutions so we can manage everything in one central source. We have Lighthouse, which is the owner portal where you can go in as an owner and see everything that's happening with your property. And then we also have a bunch of new stuff that's coming out, whether it's you know tablets and homes and and some incredible partnerships that we've integrated in. So I think when you come to our site, we always look at it as from a booking experience from the front end is we want to remove a few different friction points. One, we want to remove the friction of time. We want to create velocity around your decision-making process. So when you come to Avante, you're guaranteed this beautiful experience that you know people are going to love. When you go to some of these other booking engines, you're not guaranteed. It's not a guarantee. And so you're spending a lot of time reading reviews, looking at pictures. And so that time is very important. It's the only thing that we can't get back in the world. So that time is something that you're spending trying to source these properties. We want to remove the friction around time. We essentially want to enable everybody to be their own travel agent. And we want to actually pay you to do it. So we built a wallet now where you're booking trips and you're the decision maker and you're the one group traveler. And I was always the person, you know, spending all the time booking group trips. We want to reward you for it. We want to pay you to be that person to make that decision. So you can build up actual cash dollars with a bond stay by being that decision maker. So time is first. The second one is, is the finance risk. So usually when you're booking, you're putting up all the money yourself. And, you know, that's a risk. And sometimes people go, oh, well, you know, they bail last minute or, uh, you know, my room's not good enough. I'm only going to pay you a fraction or, hey, you know, it's a little bit out of my price. And so what we built is a price splitting. Engine. So you, you can split the pricing and everybody can pay and you don't get a confirmation unless, unless you actually pay. So split pricing is big. Picking your rooms is big. You can actually now we have a partnership with a firm where you can finance your vacation. So the same way you can finance Target or Walmart or. Or any retail store by getting their credit card, you can now finance through a firm a vacation in my opinion, you're gonna get a lot more value out of a vacation than you are out of maybe a a handbag, but that's probably probably <laughs> there's probably a lot of people that would disagree with that, and you know that's fine as well but so th- there's that finance risk, and then the, I think the last piece which we've thought deeply about is really the social capital risk when you show up to a property and you got your eight best friends there, or your family there. Or, two families or couples, or even just yourself, somebody is inevitably going to be upset if the place is not perfect. So not only did you spend all your time, not only did you, you put up all your own money, but now you show up to the property and somebody's upset who probably didn't do anything to get to that point. And it's kind of this very kind of frustrating experience around the, around. So we wanted to remove all of those on the booking side. So Now you come to the site, you quickly make a decision, beautiful properties, guaranteed experience, all the click-to-touch add-ons that you can do immediately after you get there. And then you can split the payments, make sure everybody pays, or you can finance the payment to make sure that you can afford as many vacations as you want per year. And then you show up and there is no social capital risk. There's only social capital upside. And you're stoked because you know everybody is gonna have an amazing time. And you're the hero, right? You're the champion. You're the person who. Now everybody goes, oh my gosh, thank you so much for planning this. We owe you one as opposed to, I can't believe you booked this terrible place. So that's the, the booking engine, the mobile app. We want everybody come into the house and you get on the Wi-Fi, you download the mobile app. And if you want a massage, you go book it. If you want concierge you know, services, you want a stock fridge, you want a delivery. Now we just did a, a big partnership with GoPuff where you can QR code on the fridge and have delivery within 15 minutes to your house. We have rental cars that show up in your driveway by you know, the second you, you arrive. So really thinking about this turnkey, frictionless, effortless experience that we want to deliver. And how does that all work? Well, it all works on the back end, which is the heavy lift of what we built. We always say beautiful, you know, kind of front-end, local, back-end, institutional. And the back-end piece is very complex, very sophisticated. It takes everything that we try to make very easy on the front end. And actually delivers on. And so that's the Voyage platform. And then, of course, we've started building and have built a lot of tools for homeowners, which is Lighthouse. And we want to enable homeowners to have transparency into what's happening with their homes. So we want them to know what's going on in my home, what are the economics, what are the. And so all of that kind of clarity and transparency is very key as you grow, especially as you start to think about buying more or expanding your portfolio. If we can give you transparency, you're going to be very excited about getting more involved in the space and the industry and bringing on more properties. So that's something we've really focused on and obviously have built the brokerage around that as well. A lot of technology has been built. I would say it wasn't until eight, nine months ago that we really had built a full suite and a full hospitality platform that could deliver at scale all of these components and feel confident. Aggressively moving. So, you mentioned we're in 25 markets, we're in 75 cities, and we're launching a new market every single month with multiple cities. And now that density and that expansion actually allows us to do more. Similar to imagine Amazon without density, they're not going to deliver you a package the next day. They're not going to deliver you a package same day. So, a lot of what we want to do is build enough density in, in markets so that we can deliver better experiences, more experience, more faster delivery of those experiences. But it's it's getting pretty exciting. I mean, it, when you stay in a house today versus maybe two years ago when we still felt the experience was good, it's night and day. I mean, it's really come a long
1: way and the industry has come a long way as well. When you think about home versus Hotel, I usually think, you know, you have your own place. It's kind of bigger. You kind of control your own environment. Obviously, you don't have what a hotel has with maid service that's already on site, or you can get room service at the go, but you now have seen like so much data. What are things that you can get in the home that like a hotel will never really be able to provide? Like what are some the things that create a moat that makes the home more appealing? I know every time we've vacationed the last two years, I think we've rented a home every time. And I've never thought deeply about what, besides my own place and a bigger place and maybe my own pool, what are other things that a hotel will never be able to do that a home can, that will always kind of win on? Is there anything that comes to mind?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think number one, number one is privacy, right? I mean, the, one of the things that, and it's not just privacy, it's safety. One of the things that I, when we travel with a family, mom would always go, where's Josh? Where's Jake? Can you go? Oh, he's in the pool. Oh my gosh. He might fall. And you're, you're feeling like this stress kind of building around just, especially if you have five boys running around like crazy, you're looking everywhere. When you're in the backyard and it's just your family or two family, and they can do whatever they want. They can run around, do whatever they want. And you know what the best part is? We did this with my friends the other night. Put the kids to bed. And then we walked outside and we sat outside. Kids were in the bed. They were asleep. And we got to have a glass of wine, adult conversation, you know, And you can't do that in a hotel. When you put the kid to sleep, you're not going to leave the hotel room and go downstairs to the lobby bar. And so we actually had the baby monitor with us in the backyard. It was 82 degree, beautiful night. Like someone, it was pretty, it was something you just, you couldn't experience. Impossible to experience in a hotel. I mean, I can't imagine what would happen if you left your kid in the room, went down to the lobby bar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's illegal. (laughs) So there's those in, I think some of it too is is just you know obviously for me space is is big. I mean I stay in so many hotels, and my favorite thing is waking up in the morning, whether it's by myself or with other people, and cooking you know breakfast and cooking a meal. I mean the experience that you get cooking a meal together, I think, is very special. It's something you can't do in a hotel room. I think you know sitting around a ten to twelve person table in the backyard, and and when they come over the top and you're dropping food down, and you know even doing maybe this isn't for everybody, but even doing dishes we used to do growing up, we do dishes. Whoever lost the ping pong match would have to do the dishes. So we'd have brackets and everything. And you didn't want to do dishes at a seven person family. You just, you just did. But was, so, you know, you, after dinner, you go over, and you pop over and you play ping pong. And then whoever loses plays. The dish. There's just so much you can do in a home. So much space, so much privacy, so much control. And I think the things that we're missing were some of the hotel experience. So we always say we want to bring the hotel into the home. And so everything that a hotel has to offer, we can bring it out into the home. You know, you want your cleans, you want your fridge stock, you want your service, you want Postmates, you want, you know, the GoPuff, you want, you want your, everything that you need that you can have in a hotel, you can have in the home. And, and to be fair, you can still go to the hotel lobby bar, you can still go to the hotel restaurant, you know, you can still do all of that. And now even there's services where you can go to the hotel pool. If you wanted to pop out to the hotel pool for a day, you can pay for a day pass at the hotel pool. So we really feel like this is a better way to experience cities, I think, and a better way to travel. You also get into these neighborhoods, and really feel and experience it in a different way. I mean, there's nothing better than walking out onto the golf course out the front door of your, your property while the hamburgers and hot dogs are on the grill and maybe the kids or your friends are jumping around in the pool and you're listening to some tunes, it's just not something you can really do in a hotel. So not to knock hotels, love hotels, but very, very different and a very dynamic experience that I think people are starting to open their eyes up to. My, you know, I keep going back to my mother. She's obviously been a very instrumental part of my life, but she stayed her first short-term rental like a few months ago. And her son has been in the business for five. <laughs> and she goes, oh my gosh. This is incredible. She loves the services and, and all that. And I go, I've been trying to tell you this for years. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that in the pan, in the pandemic, when hotels were shut down, that now have been exposed to this new world, this new way of traveling, this different experience. And I think it's really here to stay and it's growing. And it's just an awesome way to experience you know time with
1: friends, family, loved ones in kind of a, a more intimate setting. All right, you mentioned the the magic word, maybe it's not magic but COVID. That happened last March. Obviously, most people in real estate probably for the first 30 days didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Short-term rentals have been one of the big beneficiaries if if you could call it that of kind of this changing world and how we think about it. Can you give any data around kind of how travel played out during kind of the peaks of COVID, how long people are staying, remote work kind of What happened during COVID and like what gives you more confidence going forward because of what's happened? Yeah.
0: So when COVID hit, we had 1,750 cancellations in less than 48 hours. And so you just imagine money flying out the door, everybody wondering what's going on. And it was really kind of the turning point for the company we were going out to raise because things were going so well pre-covid. We were going out to raise and I think sometimes people think that covid all of a sudden made this short like the short term rental industry was was on fire before covid and now sure maybe it's accelerated a couple years but the space was already massive and accelerating very fast. So it hit and we sat there and went, okay, all we need to do is focus on saving the company because we know that the tailwinds and the secular trends that are coming out of this are going to be massive. So we have to make sure we do everything we can to preserve the company. And so we didn't think about anything other than rolling up our sleeves. We cut every cost and expense that we could. I pulled multiple, many, 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 many all-nighters. You know, we were working, I was working 100-hour weeks and I know the whole team was working insane hours. And so there wasn't a second where people were like, I quit or I don't want to, it was all hands on deck. Let's figure this out. And we flipped our strategy to MTR. So MTRs are midterm rentals. So 30, 60, 90 day rentals. We were getting what we called heads and beds. It was a strategy to get heads and beds. And what we wanted to do was extend out stays and say, Hey, go stay in a home, get out of the city and stay in a home. We aggressively push everything that we do, which is CDC compliant cleaning. We aggressively push We had these amazing homes sitting outside of cities that you could get out of the congested cities and go stay. And within a matter of weeks, our homes were completely filled up. I mean, it was like we're at the highest occupancy in company history about six, seven weeks into the pandemic. And frankly, we probably got too aggressive by putting heads in beds because demand was so high for what we were doing, but we were very much in a risk-off approach. We also had to lay off a huge portion of the staff we did that i think in mid to late april it was probably 25 to 30% and the the idea was hey let's make sure we save the company and let's come back to this as soon as things come back and i remember giving this impassioned kind of plea of like we're still going to be here you know give us a shot to get the heads in beds and then everybody come back and let's go build this thing you know and and it was an emotional time. I mean, it was very emotional. It was very challenging. Everybody was going through it. So we're not saying that we were the but we were in the eye of the storm. The Hospitality industry was eye of the storm, shut down. Every single person worked around the clock and we ended up getting these things filled and we had the highest occupancy. And all of a sudden, summer hit and we had this explosion of demand. We had no product. We were light staffed. And so people worked harder than they've ever worked in their lives. And we went fully remote, going from 70, 80 people pre-pandemic to call it, you know, 45 to get down to kind of a skeleton scale and cutting a lot of services and things that we felt like we could pause. And then, you know, today we're probably close to 300, if not over 300. And so you go from 50 to 300, but we immediately, it was probably a four-week stretch when we go... That might have been the wrong, I don't want to say the wrong move because we were taking a risk off, but it was, it was certainly, it was like, let's go get as many people as we can. I say this obviously from perspective, but there was a lot of people that didn't have jobs that were laid off. We had an opportunity to really aggressively hire from the cream of the crop, right? The best people. And so we felt like we, we had an opportunity to build this incredible team. During a really challenging time and give people opportunities. And while we weren't hitting on all cylinders, our investors were incredible and they said, here's some additional capital and continue to focus on building your team and building the company and supporting, you know, our mission is to bring, you know, make it easier for groups to come together. And the worst thing that we could possibly think of is laying people off in, in the middle of a challenging time. And so the fact that it was this real short window we could turn the corner and then aggressively hire and bring everybody back and, and expand the company and, and do those was was exciting. And so that was really kind of the precipice for us, you know, putting ourselves in a, into a position where we could grow and build the brand across the U.S. So it was a roller coaster. It was a lot of work. It was exciting. It was, at times, it was debilitating. You know, a lot of places shut down short-term rentals because they didn't want people moving around. And so managing through all of that was was just incredible to see what the team was able to do. And and ultimately, now, you know, short-term rentals are are kind of household commodities. I mean, people understand it. It's really, uh, you know, and then Airbnb obviously IPO'd in December of last year. So, you know, it accelerated a lot of things, challenging environment, but I think very exciting path ahead. And perhaps the most compelling data point is, no matter what happens in the world could imagine anything worse than a pandemic this asset class is resilient this asset class can perform no matter what happens and i think that that's what really opened people's eyes up to getting behind the industries is you know that no matter what happens and, and even in recessions domestic travel is flat to up international travel is down about 14% domestics flat to up so People are not going to stop traveling. You know, we need human connection. We need to travel. We, you know, it's it's something we yearn for. And if you shut the whole world down, we're still going to find ways to get out there and experience national parks. I mean, I can't. You know, the national parks probably had the highest volume of tourism in history. And so, getting outside became more important. Spending time, you know, more time with people that you deeply care about instead of you know maybe spreading yourself thin it was a big component of. Of what the pandemic kind of highlighted so it was crazy but it was something that we were able to to kind of navigate and, and here we are and we're better and stronger for it
1: Dude, that's an awesome story congrats i know i can't imagine especially being in hospitality what maybe april and march was like last year that was scary stuff man all right i got one more question on the business and then i want to chat for a little bit and then we'll bring it home about your reality show But what's like Avant's day in the next three to five years? What's kind of the path forward? What, What would be a great thing five years from now? If you did what, what would you have accomplished?
0: So I think what would make me incredibly happy is to give people more opportunities to come together and spend time together. And so that means less time planning. That means less time thinking about it. That means more time activating experiences. And so, you know, if we can create velocity around groups and people getting out there and experiencing all these, these amazing things that are really in our backyard, most of the time, that would make us very happy. And I think part of it is when you show up, I mean, not only is it that let's make it easy for you to book, but when you show up, you start your vacation right away. We talk a lot about the last thing you want to do is start your vacation and go to Vaughn's and go to the grocery store and, and buy a floaty and and pump it up and fill the fridge and start, you know, go down to concierge and start booking everything. Like you should show up and you should start right away. You should go jump in the pool and there should be a drink waiting for you. It's really about how do you create this effortless vacation rental experience? How do you remove all the friction points so that you can do it more often with the people you love and meet also great other people? I mean, how many times have you been on vacation and you met best friend from a friend of a friend, right? And, and so do that. But then when you show up, it's a vacation. It's not work. Go to the grocery store for 10 people. It takes hours. It is the last thing you want to do for your first two or three hours after you've been working all week. So that's the vision. The vision is bringing people together more frequently and being able to start and interact and engage immediately when you get there.
1: All right, you won an Emmy, or I believe you won an Emmy Emmy for a company called Staycation, or for a TV show called Staycation. What the hell was that all about? And uh, what, what what tell me a little bit about that, and then we'll we'll uh, bring it home.
0: Yeah, who knows? I mean, who knows what the hell it was all about? I mean, it was <laughs> it was kind of crazy. I mean, it we did win an Emmy, at least that's what they told us. I remember Facetiming with my good friend Rob Valletta when it was the, being announced and we just went we went we went crazy because we just we we were we were so excited but we were also you know I think I I think at least I wasn't I mean, he wasn't because he's kind of a, a vet but I i was like oh my gosh I can't believe that just happened but making it media Rob Valletta uh it, you know had this idea to 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 essentially go around and and present homes and so he found uh not found but he all these homeowners walking through homes and they show you these beautiful experiences, and so we we thought it was a great idea. We went in and we started walking people. and We did a couple episodes. Then Rob said, "Hey, why don't we do more uh, together and we create a little bit of a dynamic environment?" And so then we we started doing more. So you see, you know the local the local uh, you know short term rental, and then you go over to Avon stay. And it's this I don't want to say friendly competition, but it was you know you could see. Uh, you know, you could see different experiences and you could, you know, it, and, and not that one's better or worse, they're, they're all great, but it was, it was really cool. And obviously in a time where everybody's sitting around being like, Oh my gosh, I want to travel. I think that probably helped because people go, man, this is, this is, you know, this is very much on trend, but the, you know, the making a medium Rob and these guys, they did did an incredible job. It's so fun to watch. I think, you know, it's like cribs, you know, coming to the forefront for short-term rentals mtv cribs and and that was you know people love seeing inside these homes and, and and i think it's something that they can really um you know that that they can relate to i mean anybody can go get a shuffleboard table and put it in your house and have a great time and, and so some of these things really give you great ideas about how you can build experiences to have these these uh you know these hospitality uh environments as opposed to who wants to just be in a house to live in let's have a house to have a good time in so it was cool we wanted who knows how how it all happened but but uh but i would encourage everybody to check it out we'll we're gonna do a bunch more so it's gonna be fun i think now we're you know even thinking about you know involving um you know well i won't announce it we'll we'll
1: all right man uh as a real estate guy myself I've, I I really have taken a lot from this i I uh I believe in the asset class um I wouldn't be surprised if I was an owner of one not too far from now um it's really cool what you're building and thanks again for uh taking time today you're building a really cool thing thank you so much hopefully uh you and I can can uh experience one of these soon yeah. uh, we'll have a little we little need to come together tomorrow. What's that? Yeah, we need to get our, our friends together to come together and, and make the mission happen. We, we got to make it happen. We got to make it happen.
0: So that's on me. I'll be I'll be the booker. All right. I'll be the because I want my wallet to go up in value. You
1: know, that's it. And I'm not going to be <laughs> complaining. You're going to be the hero. I'll be the
0: hero. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me. We'll I appreciate it. Through. Have, Have a good one.
1: Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating or write a quick review. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort Podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.